0: You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. Well, Merry Christmas to you, and thanks for coming to the second one. Um, You probably wouldn't have had a seat in the first one. so it's probably a good thing that, yeah, and so, um, but it's great to see tonight. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're going to be, Isaiah chapter 9, and so if you want to flip there, that would probably serve you. Um, We're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9. Um, Okay, so uh, Christmas, Uh, it is without a doubt my favorite time of the year. I don't know if if that kind of resonates with you or not, Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but but here are, I think this would be, well, this is one of those that rank at the top, is I love the traditions that surround Christmas. Um, I don't know if you are the I hate to hang lights guy. I'm not that guy. I like to hang lights, and so I like the Christmas tree up. I love a month worth of Christmas music. That's all that plays at our house is Christmas music right now. So I, I am all in for that. And, and with that, when you think traditions, one of the central traditions of Christmas is gift giving, right? And so if, if you need proof of that, it's called Black Friday. Just get up at 4 a.m. and go watch what happens there. Um, when you think Christmas, it, it, is, it is impossible to get away from the fact that there are a billion gifts bought and a billion gifts given over, you know, over this month of the year. And so now I want to take a step back and try to answer this question. Knowing that that is central to this Christmas thing that we all do, is that a good thing? So chances are you're probably going to have some sort of gifts that you're going to open tomorrow or the next day or tonight. Is that a a good thing to have gift giving and gift opening at the center of your Christmas traditions? Um, The short answer I'm going to give is this. Yes, I think it's a really good thing to have at the center of it. Now like any um, good thing, it's easy to turn a good thing into a God thing, and then it becomes a really bad thing. And welcome to uh, uh, how a lot of people celebrate Christmas, where it's probably not a good thing for them. But but I'm trying to argue tonight, and just trying to kind of walk us through, that I think gift giving is a good and appropriate tradition for your family to have. And, And here's the reason, I kind of pressed into it with this that I think gift-giving lies at the heart of what Christmas is about, one, and it lies at the center of of the heart of God. Okay, now, so if you just start reading through the Bible, it is impossible to miss this attribute of God. At just the center of who God is, it's impossible to miss the fact that God is a gift-giving God. Would you agree with that? That God's a gift-giving God. So um, we can just start in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, you see um, God dealing with our first parents, Adam and Eve, that he gifts them life. So think about this in your life. You didn't choose to be born. You didn't choose. You didn't determine that. That was a gift that God gave you to be born. So so he gifted them life in Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, you've got Adam and Eve, and he gifts them marriage. Um, he, He gives them the gift and the blessing of child rearing. The blessings that are in this room right now, right? Those are gifts that God has given us. And so you see all throughout the Bible that God is a gift-giving God. Now this would take us maybe to a James 1.17, where James is going to say that every good and perfect gift, so, so every, every good thing that you enjoy in life, like think about the things that are pleasurable to you, that you enjoy doing. James is saying that every good and perfect gift comes from above, that they are all God-given things for you. Okay, now that, that kind of shows us what Isaiah is getting at in Isaiah chapter 9. Um, Where where he says, unto us a child is born, unto us a child is given. Do you see that? Like This is at the center of Christmas is this fact. That a gift-giving God has come and he has brought gifts with him. To to you, to me. And and notice that it didn't say that um, a a child was earned. It didn't say that he was worked for. It didn't say that, well, you kind of worked well and now this is your wage so you get a child. It says, no, you were given a gift. That the God has come bringing good gifts. This is Isaiah's announcement. That God has brought a good gift to you. He's granted it to you. He's gifted this to you. Okay, so so I'm trying to make the case that gift giving lies at the heart of Christmas. It's a good thing for you. Okay, now um, I've got 10 minutes left and uh, here's what I want to do. I, I want to just walk us through and, and, and help us think through two things that gift giving shows about God and two things that gift giving reveals in us. So as a way to prepare us to take communion as we finish up tonight, I um, want to walk us through two things that gifts, the idea of God being a gift-giving God, two things that it shows us about God, and two things that, that God being a gift-giving God is going to show and reveal to you and in you, okay? So, so we'll start with God, God and gifts. So I think this is one of the first things we could say about the fact that God is a gift-giving God. This is what it shows us about God. It shows that, that God is a God of forethought. Gifts show us that, that God has forethought, that he thinks through things, Okay, so, so think about how this, how this kind of hits us. Um, if, if you buy a person an expensive gift, here's what had to have happened before you spent money on that expensive gift, is you had to have time and an extensive forethought. So expensive gift for you equals, if you're going to buy an expensive gift for somebody, it's going to equal extensive forethought. If you're going to buy a big gift for someone, you're going to have to think about who is this person and where is this person. So so you can make sure that the the gift that you buy matches who they are and where they are so they actually would need it and it's an appropriate and a useful gift for them. So so do you see this? That when you buy a gift for someone, it requires for you to think about who they are and where they are. Now now lay that over the gospel. In the gospel, here's what the gospel shows us. Here's what God being a gift-giving God shows us. Is that God has forethought with you. That, That God actually thinks this through. And so here's what that means, that God actually takes the time to look at where you are and who you are. Now remember the context of Isaiah. Isaiah is written into a context of darkness, you see it in Isaiah 9, 2, that the people were in darkness. That's a physical, that's an emotional, and that's a spiritual darkness. It's a darkness that is caused by sin. Sin causes a separation between them them and God, and so darkness pervades the land. Okay, now when you think Christmas and God being a gift-giving God who gives us Jesus, here is the first thing that says about you. It's a sobering statement, and and God is saying this, that you are in darkness. That's your problem. It's showing you the forethought of God. For for God to answer in, in a manger, it required him to know that you are in darkness. See, and we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, but one of the reasons that Christmas is the most affirmed and celebrated holiday season of the year for Americans, one of the primary reasons for that is because it's a very sentimental time of year. A like, coup doesn't like a baby in a manger? Everyone likes that. Every, I mean, most people like Christmas music. I do. Okay, so, so you've got just a very sentimental time of the year. It makes it really easy to celebrate, really easy to hang up like, do all that. But but the problem is, if you first think sentimental when you think of Christmas, it makes it impossible for you to see the message of Christmas. Before it's a sentimental thing that we celebrate, it's a sobering statement, God to you, saying this is your condition, that you are in darkness, this is your problem, that you are in sin, you're separated from me. Do you see the picture there? Okay, so, so it's showing forethought. This is why in 1 Peter 1.20, um, Peter says that he, for, Jesus, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world that was made manifest or shown in the last times. So, so think about this. Before your first sin, God had already had the determination, like, the, the forethought of the solution. Now let that, just let that settle on you. Before your first sin, God had thought through your solution to it. So, so gift giving shows us the forethought of God. Here's the second thing it shows us. Gift-giving shows us the grace of God. Okay, now, um, the, the Greek word for grace is, is charis. It can be translated grace or gift. So when you think grace, here's what that is. It's a gift to you. Okay, this is what separates Christianity from every other major way of thinking about God. Every other way of thinking about God is a, is a, is a waged-based religion. It is a, I do this, so now God is pleased with me. I perform well, and now God is good with me. And we're saying this, the fact that God is a gift giver is showing us that, that it is all of grace. That, that if you know God right now, it is all of grace that you know that. It is the sheer grace of God. If you would count yourself among the family of God, it is because of the sheer grace of God that you can do that. It, it's showing us that this is a grace-based thing. It, you didn't earn these things. You, maybe you could think of it this way, that, that when you're thinking a gift, a gift is not a wage. Like you, you, don't, you don't kind of, Earn this thing, and then you get a, kind of get this wage going, and then you're given. It's not how a gift works. A, a gift is unmerited, or it wouldn't be a gift; it would be a wage. That, that's the idea. So, so when you when we're thinking grace gift, when we're thinking that, maybe, maybe this will help you. If you could picture for a second, um, like when I say the word enemy, whoever that was, it just came into your brain right there. P- picture that situation. Somebody that may, maybe they are. Picture yourself in a situation where a person is plotting your demise. That They are actively plotting ways to subvert you, to, to drag your name through the mud, kill your reputation. They're actively plotting demise, death. They, they would love for you to be assassinated. Okay, they're, they're that person. Now, now think about them and then you looking at them and then looking around you and saying, what is the most precious thing that I have? The most valuable thing that I have? What is that? And then you, you getting that, your most valuable possession and you saying, I'm giving this to you. That, that is Christmas. It, it is God looking at enemies, Romans 5, and saying, I am giving my most precious thing to you. You who are plotting my demise, who are dragging my name through the mud, who want nothing to, I, I'm giving my absolute most valuable thing to you. That's, that's grace. And some of us need to be reminded of grace tonight, because he, here's how you live. You live in such a way, even though you would mentally affirm, yeah, I believe what you're saying, you, 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 you live in such a way where, where your performance is what determines your relationship with God. So, so it's you perform well, and now, now God is pleased with you. You perform well, you do well, and you live a moral, you do all those things well, and now, God, now God's going to put his favor on, on you. And, and we're saying this, it's sheer grace. See, if you live with a performance-based mentality with God, here's what eventually happens. Your guilt will drive you into the ground. And that's where some of us are today and you just need to hear this tonight the fact that God is a gift-giving God is showing you that God is a God of grace that means unmerited favor on you if you're in the family of God it's unmerited it's not because you performed well it's not because you did well it's because God acted in sheer grace for you okay so two things about God here's two things about us um when you think about us and gifts, the, the gift of Jesus is unique in this way. That it demands a response. It's not a gift that you can leave on the shelf. That, that's not a—that that response is saying something. It's, it demands an active response. I am in, I am out. It's going to show you. It's going to show you some things about your heart and how you deal with this specific gift. And it's going to show you either one of two things. I want to illustrate this with—if um, you can picture this—with you in a doctor's office. And uh, you, you go in for a physical— so you're going in, maybe check some blood pressure, maybe uh, check your temperature. You're, you're going in for that sort of a visit. And all of a sudden, the doctor says, we need to do a little bit more than that. I'm going to go ahead and take some blood from you, and we're gonna, we need to do a little bit more of an extensive test here. And so he leaves. He comes back in, in a few minutes, and he says, we've got a serious problem. Um, we just looked at this blood results, and you have got a disease in a matter of months is going to kill you. If you're lucky, it's a year. But this is bad news for you. And then all of a sudden, he reaches in his pocket and he says, but I have got a solution to that disease. I, I've, got, I've got the cure to that disease. Okay, now, now picture that, that scenario in the doctor's office. Now, in that scenario, there's two responses you could have. One is prideful rejection. Pri- prideful rejection. Prideful rejection might, might look like this. Picture yourself in that moment. Um, you look at the doctor and uh, you give him an open hand slap across the face. Is there anything more insulting than that? An open hand slap across the face. So you give him an open hand slap, you knock the vial, the cure, whatever he's got in his pocket, you knock it out of his hand, throw it up against the wall, and you look at him and you say, listen, this is ridiculous. I came in here to check my temperature, get some blood pressure. Re- that's what I came in here for. I didn't come in here to learn about a disease. I didn't come in here to learn about your cure. I don't have a disease. I don't care about your cure. I'm walking out of here. Okay, that, that's prideful rejection. Okay, now, um, I wonder how many of us in the room, that's how we're responding to God. That the God has come in his grace and said, this is the problem, it's called darkness, it's called sin, that separated you from me. And, and I've got this beautiful solution, this grace-wrapped solution, this gift for you called Jesus, dying on a cross for your sin, as a substitute for you living a perfect life in place of your imperfect life, dying an undeserving death, in place of your deserved death, as a substitute, he gets your sentence and you get saved. He, he, gets, your, he, he gets your guilt and you get his pardon. You get his perfection. Do, do, do you see that? God is saying, I've got this solution for you. And I wonder how many of us are looking at that and saying, um, but God, I don't, I, I don't care about this diagnosis and I don't care about that cure. I, I don't care. I mean, it would be a, a way of ver- t- taking the hand, open hand slap across the face of God, right? It's this prideful rejection. It's saying, God, I don't care what you have to offer or what you have to say. I'm good. I've, I've got this solution figured out on my own. Okay, that, that would be the prideful rejection. But um, there's also a response of humble reception. Now, think about, this, think about this scene in the doctor's office. Rather than an open hand slap, um, you, you fall to your knees and you look at this doctor and you say, Thank you for diagnosing this disease. I am so grateful you caught that when there is still time to actually deal with it. And thank you so much for the offer of that solution. You you tell me when, where, how to get it, and I am in for that. You just let me know how to get it, and I'm taking it. And and I wonder how many of us have responded this way to God, where we have said, um, God, thank you so much for the sobering news that I am in darkness, My sin has separated me from you. And thank you for the solution of Jesus who died on the cross for my sin in my place. And God, I am in for that. God, I'm holding up my life. This is what biblical faith is. I'm holding up my life. And God, I'm trusting you with it. I'm surrendering everything I am to you. So my my life is your life. I am yours. And it's treasuring God above all things. It's saying, God, I, I love you above everything. If there's one thing I want and need in life, it is that cure. It is you. It's Jesus. That's the one thing I need. That's the one thing I'm in for. Above all other things, that's what I'm, that, that's what I, what I'm after. I wonder how many of us have responded that way to God's gifts for us. See, it, re- it reveals something about us. Like right now, everyone in the room is in one of these two categories. Pr- prideful, rejection, or humble reception. And, and maybe we can finish like this tonight. By saying that, I I love what Christmas does for us. It confronts us with this sobering news, and then it puts a gift wrapped up right before us, this gift of grace right before us of Jesus, on the cross, in your place, and it says, what are you going to do with that? Like this this Christmas, what what do you do with that? Putting that on the shelf is is prideful rejection. Humbling yourself, maybe for the first time, humbling yourself and saying, God, I, I trust, here's my life, and I'm treasuring you above all things. And here's the, the incredible news of the gospel is that in that moment the Bible says that you are saved. That the Bible the Bible says that God is going to come down and, and rescue you out of darkness and transfer you into light. Isn't that an amazing gift of, of Christmas, huh? Why don't we pray together? I just want to let you sit in that for just a second tonight. I mean just hear God is a gift giving God. It shows us the forethought of God. He sees us in darkness, and he meets us there. It shows that God is a grace-filled God. It's not based on your performance, but, but the performance of Jesus for you. And as we prepare for communion tonight, um, Here's, here's the one requirement of communion, that, that you're in right standing with God. And, and so maybe I could just ask you the question. Is there any area of your life where there is prideful rejection of God? Pride, prideful rejection. I mean, maybe, maybe for one or two in the room tonight might be the night where, where you would fall on your knees before God and say, God, thank you for diagnosing that problem in me before it is too late. And thank you for your solution to that. The fact that you have sent your son to save me. Maybe this would be your moment where you would say, God, I I trust you and I treasure you above all things. See, communion is a family thing. And so um, if you're not a a believer, we would invite you to to take Christ before you take communion. To, To go after that solution before you would eat bread and drink juice. But for the believers in the room, um, it it means that you're in right standing with God. So that would mean that if there's any areas of unrepentance in you, if there's any areas of unbelief that you're aware of, of idolatry that you're aware of, of sin that you're aware of, that that there would be a humble reception of Jesus into that tonight. That there would be authentic repentance that would take place there. So, So maybe... Maybe this would be an appropriate time for you to sit before God and just ask the Holy Spirit to show you any areas of unbelief, any areas of sin in your life, any areas that need to be confessed and repented of. And so I, I'm going to pray for us, and then as you're dealing with God, you don't have to. You don't have to hurry. We've we've got a few minutes, and so um, the guys are going to play a few songs and. Uh, and we're going to give you a chance to come up and take communion. And so uh, you, can, you can bring your family up, however you want to do that. And parents, you'll have to think through how you want to guard that with your, maybe your young kids. But um, we'd invite you to come up. And we've got a table in the back, two in the front, and to, uh, to take communion with us. And as we take communion, here's what we're saying. When we, when we dip the bread in the juice, we are saying that that is Christ's body that was torn asunder so that we might have life. But we are saying as we dip that bread in the juice, that that is Jesus' blood that was spilled for you in your place. And that that blood covers all of your past sins, all of your present sins, and all of your future sins. That when you trust and treasure him, he he delivers you out of darkness and places you into light. When when that happens, that your sins, I, I love the picture in Isaiah, turn from crimson to as white as snow. That's what we're affirming tonight when we take this. And so Jesus, we want to thank you for grace. We want to thank you for a life perfectly lived in our place. For, For your death on the cross, a substitution for us. You got the penalty, we got the pardon. You got sentenced, we get saved. So God, we thank you for that, that gift that confronts us at Christmas. The sobering statement of our sin and the beautiful statement of your solution. So God, I I pray that you'd help us this Christmas season. Keep that right in the center of it, you being a gift-giving God. It's in your good name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas.